all to another exciting episode of the Broadway Bulletin. We have lots of exciting news from all around the theater industry to bring you, so let's get into it. This week on Broadway, The Cottage begins previews on July 7th with an opening scheduled for July 24th. This is a 16-week limited engagement directed by Jason Alexander and starring among others Laura Bell Bundy, Eric McCormick, Lily Cooper, and Alex Moffat. Celebrating birthdays today is uh, Brendan Uranowitz, Jeremy Pope, K. Todd Freeman, Quentin Earl Darlington, Myra Lucretia, Taylor, Brian Dennehy, Tom Hanks, and Jimmy Smits. Wow, it is a big day for birthdays here on July 9th. That's incredible. For some theater community news, the Theater Hall of Fame has announced its 2023 theater inductees. It includes actors Mandy Patinkin, B.B. Newworth, Judd Hirsch, and Lori Metcalf. Director Joanne Accolatus, librettist John Weidman, composer Maury Yeston, and posthumously playwright Amiri Baraka. The 52nd Annual Theater Hall of Fame for Lifetime Achievement in American Theater Induction Ceremony will be held November 6th at Broadway's Gershwin Theater. Five-time Tony Award winner Susan Stroman will be hosting the evening. That'll be a really fun night. And congratulations to all of this year's inductees. The Drama Bookshop partnered with New York, New York, the musical to offer free tickets with a purchase of the shop's major cord mocha coffee. And it is a delicious drink, I have to say. Well, and I just think it's really cool, this idea of supporting this literary institution with trying to encourage people to see shows i think it's a brilliant marketing plan absolutely and i will say what i loved is i was over at the drama bookshop on saturday picking up some new literature most of which was from guests of our show and it was hopping and i loved it i was like yes because more people need to know that that place exists and to just dive into the world of theater on on paper and the backstory of theater but that's a that's a Broadway bulletin stage whisper for another time. But this is a really cool <laughs> offer. So head down to the Drama Bookshop. Get yourself a major chord mocha and a ticket to see New York, New York. The Shark is Broken will offer 200 discounted tickets priced at the low price of 1975, and will only be available at the Golden Theater box office on July 11th at 1230. Also, the first 25 customers in line will receive a 70s style The Shark is Broken jersey from cast members. The tickets that will be discounted are for performances between July 25th and August 4th, and there is a limit, two per person. This is going to be a really fun show. I've, I can already tell they're not trying to be more than what they are. They're like, look, we already, this is a Jaws, you know, hurrah, ha, ha, ha show. So and I can't wait to see what Alex Brightman does in this. I love him, so. Bernadette Peters and Randy Rainbow hosted the Broadway Barks event that took place on Saturday, July 8th in Schubert Alley. And we love this event. Big support for the ASPCA, big adoption event. It was so much fun to see all the cute dogs in Schubert Alley. This was a very dangerous place for me. <laughs> yes. It's like we don't foster cats for a reason because there's no fostering. And I'm not allowed to go to things like this because... That's how Andrew comes home with new 
dogs. And listen, as much as I would love to have more dogs here, we do live in a New York City apartment. Yes, and you can only hide them from your landlord so much. (laughs) Universal Theatrical Group has announced that a musical based on Imitation of Life is in development with book by Lynn Nottage and music and lyrics by John Legend. This is exciting. I can't wait to see what these two incredible artists come up with. Right. We were just talking about wondering what was going to be coming next from the Universal Theater Group. Yep. So. This will be great. In some other show chatter, the crowned jewel began West End pre- its West End premiere on July 7th. And this is the story of Charles II. So I wonder how that's going. So any of our listeners over in the UK, if you've seen it, let us know what you think of it. A rare revival of Tennessee Williams' Orpheus Ascending begins off-Broadway July 9th at Theatre for a New Audience. Yeah, this is supposed to be a very highly anticipated show. And I have heard of the show... But I don't know much about the show, so I'm intrigued to go see the show. So that kind of brings us to our hot take, where we just kind of, I guess, vamp, talk about a few random things. Talk about things we've seen, talk about life, liberty, and the, the pursuit, pursuit of, of theater. Fierceness. Oh, theater. <laughs> uh, really, the only show I, I want to mention that I saw this week, I, I returned to the gospel according to Heather. Yeah, you and, took your mom this time. And my friend Taisha. And this is now, now the show is open. I saw the last preview before it opened, and... I even mentioned a friend of the show and producer, Jim Kirsten. I don't know what happened between the last preview and now, but it is amazing. Everything is just really running on full cylinders. The show was hopping. It's a really great show. I loved it. The music is fantastic. They are releasing a cast album, which is great. The message is fantastic. I really enjoyed the show. It's running till July 16th, so make sure you head over to Theater 555 and catch the show. It's a lot of fun. You'll really enjoy the evening, and the cast is wonderful. We have a very special announcement. A big one that we've been sitting on for a while, but now now that everything is kind of locked in and set up, we can officially announce... This is a big announcement, particularly for our listeners and fans over in the UK. Stage Whisper is coming to London. We will be in London Saturday, September 9th through Monday, September 11th. So if you are in the UK and, you know, you're in the London area, we'd love to get together with you. We'd love to see you. If you got a show you want to send us to or or if you have a show let us know we'd love to check it out also if you want to get together and talk about the shows afterwards absolutely but this is the first of many trips we'll be making across the pond but we are so excited that we're going to be in london september 9th through september 11th i i I am over the moon about this this is going to be great we also have the website that should be going live this week, which is really exciting. We'll have that. We'll be posting that new address, which I can't wait. We just put the final touches on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you got family in town, things just get delayed. I just, oh, I feel so bad. Right. And we also have our merch available. I was about to say, but we, you can still get your merch. Just click on the link in our Instagram on the link tree, and it'll lead you there. The merch is so cool. Oh, my gosh. I love all the different t-shirt designs. Yes, and definitely I prefer all of my designs in black personally, but I always wear black, so. They make a great gift for yourself, for your friends, so make sure you check out some merch, get yourself some merch, support the show, it'd be great. 
And keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Yeah. With your shirt. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing screams a stage whisper like a shirt. But speaking of screaming, hey, you there. Have you signed up for your Patreon, your backstage pass? Because if you haven't, head on over to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. Get yourself a backstage pass. All of your contributions really go to help us put back into the theater community. So everything you do to help us also helps out local artists and and artists all over the globe. And if you haven't noticed, there's a lot going on here at Stage Whisper, so we really could use the support. We are, we've gone global. We're heading over to the UK. We've got a lot of great stuff happening here in New York and all around the country as we continue to cover the theater. There's a lot happening, but we can't do it without support from listeners like you. So please head on over to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. Sign up for a backstage pass or leave some money in our tip jar. Or you can send a one-time donation on Venmo at stagewhisperpod. Any and all of your support really means the world. And a huge thank you to all of our patrons. You are all rock stars. You are all amazing. So that leads us now to our next part, which is our whisper in the wings. And I got to tell you all, you are in for a huge treat. Because ever since I heard about this show, way back last September, oh boy, I was like... This is on my calendar. This is on my radar. Every time I talked to her, I was always like, and don't forget, this is happening still, right? Because I'm going to come see it. So we have for you several cast members, producers, uh, director, fight director, all these people who are part of Something From Abroad in association with Kimo Sion and the New York State Council of the Arts presentation of Hamlet, la telenovela, which is playing July 21st through the 30th at the Crane Theater. We had the co-artistic director of the Frigid New York, Martha Lorena Preve. She's been on our show several times, and she told us about this way back in September. And now her and many of the company members with the show are now going to speak to us about this great show. So please enjoy this Whisper in the Wings, where we sat down with several company members of Hamlet, la telenovela. Welcome back in everyone to another fabulous episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are so excited to be bringing you today's show. I mean, so excited. It has been on our calendar since the fall of last year when one of our guests introduced us to it. So we can't wait to share it with you. Joining us today, we have the co-artistic director from Frigid, New York. And for this particular production, the producer and performer, Martha Lorena Preve. The director and performer, Federico Malay Flores. The producer and performer, Silvana Gonzalez Manzor. The performer and fight director, Gabriel Rosario. And the performer, Castor Gabriel Sanchez. All of these amazing artists are part of Something From Abroad in, associate, in association with Kimosian and New York State Council of the Arts presentation of Hamlet, La Telenovela which is playing July 21st through the 30th at the Crane Theater. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting frigid.nyc. 
And again, I'm so excited about this show. I'm sure you've heard us talk about it when we've had Fridge in New York on our show before, but let's not waste any more time. Let's bring in our full house. Everyone, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Andrew. Great yes, to be yes. here. I, I've been marking the calendar days down until this <laughs> happened. Since Martha, you brought it on our radar back in September and we're here, we're talking about it. So I want to start by letting our audiences know more about what this show is about. So Martha, could you give us a synopsis? Tell us what the show is about. Yes, absolutely. So this is an approach that we have of Shakespeare's Hamlet, but in a Latine, Latinx, whatever you want to call it, version that brings it as a telenovela. So it's heightened, it's dramatic. I mean, it's, I feel like Hamlet and Shakespeare are already heightened and dramatic, but this is a version in Spanish. It's a shorter version, and it's going to be a version performed in a telenovela style. And I would love for Federico to tell us more of this concept that, that he has. He's the one that pretty much like developed it and has all of the all of those little aspects and elements that he's bringing to this. Sure. Well, I mean, what was really special, right, is, is when when I reread uh, Hamlet, you know, uh, we at Something From Abroad, as Marta probably told you, have a, a parody of the telenovelas, the very famous telenovelas in Mexico. So then we were approached, it's like, how do you marry Hamlet and a telenovela? And when I reread Hamlet with that in mind, I was very surprised that you don't need to do anything. <laughs> It already has all those elements, right? I mean, as soon as you say a young man learns that his uncle killed his father and married his mom, you're already in that world. Yeah, you're already in the world of a telenovela. And it's so exciting to see that we don't need to even change the text. You know, it's it. you can keep the text and it's all about the approach and about the intention and the style of the performers, right? You don't have to change anything really uh, to make it so to me, it was fascinating that something that was written centuries ago could, you know, match the sensitivity, a 21st century sensitivity of a melodrama in Latin America, something that was written in England, right? So I think just, I think that speaks of why Hamlet is just Hamlet, right? Because it it kind of is whatever you need it to be, and it just has this timeless thing. And learning that, you know, like the soliloquies match the private moment from the telenovelas, which are a huge thing breaking the fourth wall when the characters reveal everything that they're going to do to the camera, that that is such a big part of Shakespeare. And, you know, so we find all these things that we didn't need to change. So that was really exciting. And it's all about weaving in what in the Shakespeare text could be a product placement that is such a big part of telenovelas. What in the text could be a commercial that is such an important part of telenovelas, you know? So it's it was so much fun and so exciting to see that it, it was a marriage it was a pairing made in heaven. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Now, Sylvana, I want to bring you in the conversation here real quick because you're the producer and a performer. And I want to mm -hmm. ask, what has it been like developing the show and putting it on its feet? Well, first of all, it's been a pleasure. It's incredible to be able to work with this cast. They're so talented, but not only that, they're such amazing people that I think it's been very easy for the vision of Federico to just come to life naturally by what's going on on stage and in the rehearsal space. I think for us, or for me in particular, the challenge has been how do you reach a bigger audience, an American audience, even though this show is rooted in Latin American culture and lingo, right? And, and how 
do you bring an audience that is a lover of Shakespeare to come to a new type of Shakespeare, right? Because it's not going to be what they're expecting. So that's been the challenge and also the fun part. Love that. Gabriel Rosario, I want to ask you the same question, especially since you are the performer and fight director. What's it been like developing and rehearsing and putting the show on its feet? Well, Federico and Martha's approach, I think, has been very smart, which is we kind of tackled it from let's just look at the blocking. Let's just go scene by scene and block stuff out. So for my job in terms of fight director, when we get to those moments, it's very much collaborative because it hasn't been staged yet. So it's Federico as the director and me as a fight director kind of like, okay, so where do you want people? We're here. Great. So let's work with that. What what vision did you have for the fight? This? Fantastic. So let, let's do that. And it's not always that you get director and fight director also being the performers currently working on the fight. So that was very, very fun. And then as a performer, I'm very technical in how I approach things. Like I'm very much like, okay, you're giving me blocking and that's what I'm focusing on. And then, you know, Federico's like, so yeah, in this moment, you're going to be like, ah, like, like, like all heartbroken. And I'm like, I will be. I promise I will. I'm not there yet. I'm writing stuff down. But yeah, it's been very fun echoing what Silvana said. It's a great group of people, incredible professionals. And you you know you're in a good place when we have very limited amount of time. But everyone is still kind of like relaxed in a way. Like it's like, listen, like we 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 have we have a short amount of time, but we're gonna get this done. So I, I have full confidence in this entire team. I just quickly want to say, Andrew, that great part of the comedy comes from Gabe's work as as fight coordinator. Because in telenovelas, fights are such a big part, like cat fights, right? It's it's a big, so a great deal of the comedy comes from his work in understanding both Shakespearean, because we do have, you know, the weapons and all that, but also what a fight in a telenovela looks like. So that's one of the happy uh, marriages as well. Yeah. Fantastic. I love all that. Now, I want to bring our other performer, Castor Gabriel Sanchez, and I want to ask you, what is the message or thought you're hoping the audiences will take away from the show? I hadn't really thought about it, but I'll I'll phrase it as this, because I think it was brought up by Silvana before. When I first got casted and I told my friends and like close ones, who most of them don't speak Spanish, I was sort of like, what am I going to do? I even thought, I even, parts of me even thought of like, I don't think I'll invite them. It was only like later when it was so, like, oh, when I heard about how ambitious Federico, Martha, Savannah, everybody in the production team are being, and they're doing subtitles, which just baffles my mind. I'm still like, how is that happening? So I guess- We want to know too. <laughs> So uh, I think what I want the most is as somebody who grew up with novellas and as somebody who feels this very much like in my blood. They're the reason why I started acting. When I was a little kid, I would watch them. I would practice slapping people in my shower. The So that was like, it's such an innate part of our culture, the way we feel even like the way we're perceived as Latinos, like Latines, as like a Spanish people, Latin Americans, however you want to call it, 
there's always like we're romantic we're passionate we're we feel our feelings more and i think a big part of that perception comes from our art and in the 20th century i would say telenovelas are that what i would say hammers or hones in on that stereotype the most for everybody so i guess what i would want it to be taken out from from it is the appreciation a level of wow you know i would i i as a foreigner i'm a venezuelan person i'm an immigrant i love to consume art from absolutely everywhere i used to consume american art when i was growing up i used to consume art from mexico colombia and it was such an incredible thing to be able to bond through art so i would what i would hope and i'm getting such a i'm giving like a speech now what i would hope is for the foreign audiences to have a sense of appreciation to come to a level of bonding with our culture to have a, a level of maybe deeper understanding where some of our things come from and honest to goodness to just have fun with heightened emotions and roller coasters which is that it is just what novellas are and i think that's i'm going to leave it at that thank you <laughs> Love that. I want to bounce back up to Martha. Martha, I want to ask you, who do you hope have access to the show? I definitely want to connect. As I, I feel like I always say it when, we're, when, when I'm here. I definitely want to connect with our neighbors in the Lower East Side. We know there's a really, like, Loisaida, you know, big, big Spanish-speaking community there. So we definitely want, want them all to come. We want to know who you are come to the show, but anyone that loves Shakespeare, I think they can appreciate, even if Spanish is not your first language, if you understand a little bit or nothing, right? Hamlet is such a tale. It's It's been told so many times in so many different ways that we're hoping to, to get, as Castro said, the people that love Shakespeare and speak English, the people that love telenovelas, anyone in between. And because of our streaming capabilities, we are hoping to reach broader audiences. Like I'm hoping family in South Carolina will see it. I'm hoping family in Mexico will see it. So, I mean, we want everyone to feel welcome here. I think we've, we've tried to make our, our cast like feel welcome and like feel that we are in a team that appreciates like diversity and something from abroad also started with like a bunch of people from different places, from different places abroad. And I love, love, love that we have this mix that is uh, Dominican, Venezuelan, Puerto Rican. Some of us are Mexican, uh, Colombian. Who am I missing? Oh, Spaniard. And, and uh, Israel. Oh, Israel. Israel. One of our performers is half Israeli. So like all, all of that, it's what we love. Like there's so many accents in Spanish and they're different and they're so flavorful. I'm so excited for that. That's incredible. Silvana, what about you? Who do you hope have access to the show? Yes, for me, I, I think accents are so enriching because New York is thankfully um, an accented global city. And so we're not really, I, I guess my perspective as a producer is that we're not marrying accents to each character. We're allowing for people to just speak naturally and uh, at the end of the day, an accent doesn't impede your language or your communication skill. And it's incredibly beautiful to hear how differently each joke lands depending on where you're from 
And yes, in terms of that, it's, it's been wonderful. I also do want to add for the audiences, right, that are debating if they want to come or not to see another Shakespeare. This is not Shakespeare. This is not Hamlet as you've ever seen before. This is a Hamlet you haven't seen. It's fun. It's rooted in culture. It's rooted in truth, in hilarity, craziness. So do join us. Do join us, even if you've seen Hamlet seven times before. This is different. This is new. Come. You'll laugh till you can't, uh, till you start crying. to shift gears now and let our audience get to know all of you a little bit more and I want to start by asking you Gabriel Rosario what inspires you what playwrights composers shows inspire you or some of your favorites oh that that's a tough question because I feel like the answer depends on when you ask me but since you asked me today Getting a, a little personal for a moment, I, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Very soon, in like a week or so, I'm going to hit my 10-year anniversary of living here in New York. I came to study at AMDA. And as I'm sure a lot of us went through in performing art school here in the United States, I definitely had the majority of my teachers going like, oh, you kind of need to get rid of your accent if you want to work. And I drank the Kool-Aid. I, I worked. I got rid of my accent. That's why you don't hear it anymore. And I definitely kind of like felt myself kind of like fading away from my I, my Puerto Rican identity recently. So I've really made an effort to like watch more Hispanic theater, read more Hispanic theater. So with that in mind, I recently saw this play at a Women's Project Theater Sancocho. Incredible show. I've been to a couple of readings by this up and coming Puerto Rican playwright called Nelson Diaz Maricano. He is an incredible writer, like Broadway caliber and from his own mouth, the reason he has not been published or put up in a bigger production by a bigger house is literally he will do a reading of a show and producers will be like, oh, this is incredible. Before we put it up, can we add more white characters? And he's like, no, this is this is the story I want to tell. And they're like, oh, then we can't put it up in this one theater. So that's where I've been recently is really delving into more of the Latinx and Hispanic playwright world to learn more of what I slowly started kind of like fading away from. So that's kind of like where I am now. I love all of that. And I appreciate you bringing attention to essentially the whitewashing of, of actors of color, the unnecessary whitewashing. No, we need all of that dynamic culture. And as Silvana mentioned, those accents, they don't deteriorate the language, they emphasize it, they make it so much more beautiful. So I appreciate you shining a light on that. And hopefully that's a practice that ends. I really hope that's a practice that ends. Oh, I hope so too. Federico, I want to ask you the same question. What or who inspires you? Yeah, sure. And I thank you. Well, to me, it's just ripping off of what Gabe has just shared. I think part of, so Kemosion is the, the other production company that is behind this. And it's, this is something I started with a friend of mine, Alexandra Gomez, with that purpose that Gabe is kind of saying, which is like in theater training, in theater education, you tend to focus 
a lot in Shakespeare and a lot of, right? And then these authors that we already know about. So it's just like, how do you spread light to all the artists, whether it's in literature, whether it's acting, where it's, you know, anything, dancers, singers that are in different aspects of Latin America. So that was our focus when creating this, you know, shed those lights to those figures that are not as studied, that are not as celebrated, you know? So, and then because we were working so much with Marta, like there was a lot of interlap in between the two, we ultimately decided to become one in that something from abroad is, let's say, the theater department for Emoción. But that's where that's where we're coming from, really. In terms of theater, I mean, there's authors that go way way back, like uh, Alejandro Casona with Árboles uh, Mueren de Pie, or I mean, and just more modern day, I guess, that are active right now. I'd say David Ives personally is someone who I really enjoy. That's sort of like sarcasm and like humor. It's very, the, the generous are very mixed one another, right? So yeah, I think, I think those, I'd say those two for sure. Yeah. That's a fantastic list. Wonderful list. Castor, I want to come to you for this next question. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? I don't think that's a hard question at all for me is especially as a non-binary queer actor from Venezuela who I growing up felt incredibly and I don't mean this in a good way I felt incredibly unique like I felt peerless I felt alone there wasn't a lot of representation for people that looked like me or that felt like me and I didn't I felt like I was the only kid like me growing up and so theater was like home there was a lot a sense of community there was a lot of I saw people that were and I mean this in the nicest way as possible that were as weird as me that didn't that were creating like I was that didn't judge on things that you know that you're working on and I I felt incredibly a capacity to grow in that environment and now in my 30s I'm still I still feed off on that energy is the only thing I is one of my my happiest that rehearsal at I just have fun. It's like the best thing in the world It's the best career in the world, in my opinion. And so for and for like right now, I haven't met this. I really recently recently just met this group of people and it's so fun to be there every day. And it's you, it's such a trusting environment. You get to play. It's the best. I cannot complain. So that's what keeps me in theater. That is a wonderful answer. Martha, I'm going to come to you with this next question because you've answered most of these questions before, but I'm going to throw one. I know. (laughs) We've talked a lot now about some wonderful hot topics and issues in the theater. And I'm wondering, as a co-artistic director with a theater company here in New York, what changes are you most excited about happening or or to happen soon in the theater? I, I do feel like we're seeing more efforts to include different people. I'm seeing more ASL, you know, performances. I'm seeing more or like even subtitle performances. I'm seeing more of, I've had discussions about sensorial sensitivities and like, is there a kid's show that we can make that the music is not too loud, that it doesn't go to dark, you know, for those different sensitivities 
So I'm really excited to see how people are like opening the eyes and realizing that there's other people with different abilities and different ways of experiencing the world and that they're being included. That is wonderful to me. I, I still think there's so much more to be to work to be done. And Jimmy, who is my co-artistic director of Frigid, mentioned, right, like, they are curating a, a, a queerly festival right now. And they said, oh, we queer people, we do exist outside the month of June, you know? And I do feel like those changes need to happen where like every company is now like with the rainbow flags, where are they the rest of the year? And the same for any group of people, right? Like for Hispanic Heritage Month, we get all these things, but then, hey, we're here. We want to put on some some Hispanic theater around. So... I, I do feel like the efforts are starting to be made and I, I want to see them as more of a real effort and not a tokenism practice. I also want, and I always say it here and I'll say it again, I want indie theater to be appreciated for what it is. I want indie theater to feel like, like in the film, like in the films feel like that, right? Like, oh my God, this indie film from this director and it's so cool and it's, you only can catch it at this you know, screening this day. Well, I want all uh, indie theater makers to feel that and to receive that from people, that appreciation of like all that crazy, alternative, weird, wonderful, new experimental, anything that is out there and it is indie theater to be appreciated more. And I feel like I, we need to do some like, Unfortunately, I feel like we need to do some marketing to have that happen. Like we need to like play the system to have that happening. But I'm hoping to see that. And I definitely am excited to see more diversity in casting. Slowly getting there, slowly getting there. But I think we are opening our eyes of like, hey, how about we include people that are different from us? What, who have we been including? Can we include other groups? So... I'm excited for that. And I think there's so much more work to be done that we need to name it, point it out and not, not blame anyone, but kind of like try to fix it together. Yes. Yes. To all of that. Put it on a poster, send it <laughs> a memo, make it law. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. That'd be good. This next question is for everybody. And it's my favorite question to ask. And it's, what is your favorite theater memory? Silvana, do you have one? I think my favorite theater memory was when we were performing A Midsummer Night's Dream in Spanish. And we were right after another show. Um, we had 10 minutes to set up a huge set with like banners flying everywhere. And all of our performers who were just performers, right? They weren't supposed to be company members building or doing sets with us, pulled together to make that happen. It felt like a family. And, and, and my, my I mean, listen, my theater memory extends even beyond the theater, right? My theater community is a community that I can count on. I just moved last week. It was my theater people that asked me if I was okay, that offered to help. It's been, it's a community and the support and the, the honest love from people that make theater because they love the theater. That is my favorite memory slash thing. Yeah. 
Yes. Theater is not just community. It is family. Beautifully put. Thank you for that. Yes. Gabriel Rosario, looks like you would like to go next. What is yours? Yes, I, I agree with absolutely everything Silvana said, so I'm not going to repeat it. So I will add, I have so many great theater memories, but the one that popped to my head was my the first time that I big like that I was part of like a big production was in this regional theater in Pennsylvania, Fulton Theater out of Lancaster. It was a production of Treasure Island. It was a musical, something I never would get cast in because no one wants to hear me sing. But I was cast as one of the fighters. There was like four roles that were specifically fighting roles to be paired up with like the main characters and stuff like that, just to partner them and and help make them look good in the big fight scenes so we we rehearsed for like over a month and you know we we'd been working on stage this this beautiful theater huge house but like opening night seeing this like like coming out on stage with this huge crowd 36 men in the cast just belting out in a way that I never could was just kind of like chills and like goosebumps all over my body and I was like oh my god this is what they mean by like, oh, I made it. <laughs> like, like, like I am on this stage with these incredibly talented people, some of whom have been on Broadway stages. I am sharing the stage with them. I'm working alongside them to create this beautiful show. So I would say that's not the favorite, but definitely one of my favorite theater memories. That is amazing. Thank you for that. Who would like to go next? The one that comes to mind to mind for me, Andrew, is the first show I directed on the 11th grade was Rent. Out of the pure passion of seeing that film and one of my best friends and I saw it together and it's like, something hit us. So we're like, we need to put this together. We did posters with auditions. Only two people showed up, our Maureen and our Roger, and they were like very supportive. So little by little, we had to almost beg people. It was like High School Musical where it was very relegated to theater. We did not have theater department. It was just an auditorium. So, but we put the cast together, we do the show and it it's all everybody could talk about for because of that. It's like the themes of the show, it's felt so scandalous, right? For high school and everybody was just like, oh my goodness. And then the, the principal had no idea what we were doing and she summoned us at the end. And she said like, great work, great work. Next time I would just prefer if you let me know in advance which show you're going to be doing. <laughs> but the fact that that was a response and not a shutting down after the first show, you know, or whatever, that the fact that, that that's all she said at the very end and that she let us just continue and it wasn't and a slap in the wrist or anything like that, you know, and that you could hear people talking in the hallways just like, oh, so this was this person was dating this person and like, you know, like trying to understand that world. And when we came back next year to do another show, way more people wanted to join. So I don't know, it's just very exciting to see that the theater become from something that's very relegated in that school to something that became sort of like a cool thing to do, you know? So that will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah. I love that. And I love <laughs> that you, you directed Rent in high school. That is <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yes. And who would like to go next? Well, my experience wasn't as a theater participant. It was more like a theater goer. But back in Venezuela, a friend of, I was with a friend and they, we watched Latin American play by Ibrahim Guerra called A Dos Cincuenta La Cuba Libre, 
which translates to 250 for a Cuba Libre, which is a place set in a bordello, to be nice. I don't know what, I don't know if I can say it the other word, <laughs> but yeah, in a, in a bordello, in, in a cabaret of sorts where those transactions happen. And that's where the play was set. And it was a very, a play with a very big queer focus. And I have brought my friend and my mother, who's usually very puritanical. And I remember after the play was done, she had a conversation with me about understanding queer experience and like coming to. So that was like the biggest memory I have of like some. And we have watched, you know, we have watched other types of more easily accessible in Venezuela, at least queer content like TV or perhaps a film, but it didn't reach to her the way this play did and the way theater did that proximity, seeing the actual queer creators of this perform the pains of what they're going through, their experiences. And it was a very cathartic and healing experience for me and my mother. That's beautiful. I love that. Love that. Thank you. And then Martha. <laughs> Andrew, I don't know which memories I've told here anymore. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I was going to say, um, do you want me to, let, let's, let's add one to your autobiography. I feel like I've been repeating, but I actually, I have one that I don't know if I've shared with you or not, but I have one that is related to this show. So this show started, we were going to stage this show in 2020, the summer of 2020. So when when the pandemic hit, we, of course, at first, everyone was like, oh, this is going to last two weeks and we'll be back. Right. So whatever. This is no worries. Little did we know three years later. Well, so what happened was that Frigid and the people working Frigid back then said, hey, we're going to do this virtually. So we're going to do our and it was called So Many Hamlets and it was different versions of Hamlet. And ours was a Hamlet in Spanish as a telenovela. And I refused. I was like, I'm not going to do this on Zoom. I am not going to do this on Zoom. I hated, no, why? And I like kicking and screaming. And talking about it, Federico said, I, I remember it. He said, like, listen, the virtual theater train is leaving the station. And we have to get on it because everyone else is jumping there. And we don't want to. Like we're, we're just, we're going to have to do theater like this or we're not going to do theater. And I'm glad you did Federico because otherwise we wouldn't have had that Zoom production of Hamlet La Telenovela, which was so much fun, so much fun. And if that didn't happen, this wouldn't be happening right now because we had so much fun because we enjoyed it so much because we adapt. And by we, I mean Federico dragging me. I was not, <laughs> I was not ready to adapt at all, but because as a team, we pulled through and we're like, okay, let's make this the best Zoom performance possible. Then, we, then we're like, oh, how about a grant for this? And now we're doing, with the NISCA support, we're doing this, this live staging. So yeah, I guess my, one of my favorite theater memories is that one of like, the show must go on, right? <laughs> and the show went on on Zoom. So, so I'm glad that we are, I'm glad to have people in my team and be a part of a team that keep each other honest and like say like hey when you're wrong about someone where you're not being flexible enough you know to have to have a kind loving team that will like keep you going 
I love that. Thank you all for sharing those amazing memories. Those were wonderful. Are there any other projects or productions any of you have coming on the pipeline we might be able to plug? Yes, I'm actually a friend of mine, Tommy Nelms, just co-founded a theater company called Backyard Stages, and they're doing their first production of As You Like It this summer. I think it's going to have a couple showings here in the city, and then it's going to have this, like, um, he would be able to explain it way more, way, way better than I can. But they're they're going upstate, somewhere upstate, in this huge, like, it's it's called backyard stages because it's the the backyard of the this rich people's house, but it's part of a forest. So they're planning to do the show in that setting where the show kind of moves around different parts of the backyard, depending on what scene you're doing. And I'm gonna be working fight direction for that show as well. Sounds very cool. Yeah, I'm very excited to see what this company comes up with next. Yeah. I just want to give a shout out to two theater companies that I'm a part of. One is Teatro Sea, which you perhaps heard of. It's been 35 years since they started. I'm Anoy Moran. They're in the Lower East Side. And they just do wonderful theater for families. I mean, and Latinos, which is what we're doing too, and Hispanics, right? So it's it's offering that community in a bit, you know, the, the sense, because what Marta was saying, sometimes we get approached after our, our regular telenovela show that we do. And like my mom and dad, you know, they don't speak English. They never get to see theater because of that same reason. So this is really special. So Teatro Sea is doing that as well and bringing families together because they're doing Latinized versions of Cinderella and Little Red Riding Hood and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm also part of this theater company called Village Playback Theater. If you haven't heard of Playback Theater, it's just like an improv where people share their stories and react them for them, right? So it's you share your story around a certain theme as opposed to giving a suggestion. And we act them out. So if that's something, it's great community building. And if you just want to tell your story <laughs> and have a cathartic experience, that's something exciting too. So that happens twice a year for public audiences. It's amazing. Both sound incredible. Well, as I know I've said it here a lot, but Frigid has a lot of stuff happening. I don't know when this will be out. So Queerly might be over by then, right? But we have a couple of festivals. We have a Shakespeare festival also happening in the summer. And... Well, all kinds of programming for all kinds of people. So like, just check that out. That is a great lead <laughs> to my final question, which is if our listeners want more information about Hamlet, La Telenovela, or about any of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? For Hamlet, we have our Instagrams at Kemocion, right? At, and at something from abroad. And more information on the website of Frigid also. Frigid.nyc. I don't know what else. Help. <laughs> we're, we're on Facebook too. Camosion and something from abroad. And TikTok. Camosion. <laughs> For some fun behind the scenes with all the slaps that Gabe is choreographing. So, so <laughs> yes. And I, I guess I guess our, we can share our personal ones. I mean, I'm, I'm Marta Preve on Instagram. I am at Preve. Male. And you probably, if you go to our Hamlet post and you click the likes, you'll see all of us. <laughs> if that's easy. Yeah. Right. Mine is Gabriel, Gabriel Rosario, R-O-S-A-R-I-O, P-R, as in Puerto Rico, fights. Gabriel Rosario, P-R, fights for my Instagram. And I am Castor1989. Castor as in Castor Oil in 1989 as in the Taylor Swift album. So there you go. <laughs>
Wonderful. I love that. Well, Martha, Federico, Silvana, Gabriel, and Castor, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing this amazing show and your amazing stories. I am so excited to be attending this show. So I appreciate all of you for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you. Come join us. Yeah. Yes, please. My guests today have been the co-artistic director at Frigid New York and for this production, the producer and performer, Martha Lorene Preve, the director and performer, Federico Male Flores, the producer and performer, Silvana Gonzalez Manzor, the performer and fight director, Gabriel Rosario, and the performer, Castor Gabriel Sanchez. All of these wonderful artists are part of Something from Abroad in association with and the New York State Council of the Arts presentation of Hamlet, La Telenovela, playing July 21st through the 30th at the Crane Theater. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting frigid.nyc. And we also have a host of contact information for all of our guests that we'll be posting on our episode description as well as in our social media posts we also encourage you to stay tuned as this will be a stage whisper night at the theater we will let you know that date soon so that you can join us at the crane theater for the show and hopefully for a conversation afterwards it'll be a wonderful night supporting a wonderful company and a wonderful show but we are so excited about hamlet la telenovela playing july 21st through the 30th at the crane theater so until next time i'm andrew cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones unwrap your candies and keep talking about the theater the stage whisper thank you If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is DJ by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.